There's no time like the present, man. Episode 18 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. Here we are again. Much to discuss today. We're going to get through what we can. The summer is winding down. And, um, well, I say winding down in terms of the past week and a half, uh, probably two weeks or so, it's been egregiously hot. It's been um, a real pain, and I love the heat, but my gosh, man, there are some days when it is just such a distraction, and and I can just feel it, feel myself getting tired, but these past couple days have been very nice out, which is great. I've got some reading done outside, finished a book recently that maybe I'll talk about if I get to it, but uh, we're going into August, man, which leads us into the fall, which... Uh, when does the fall actually start, man? I don't actually know. I think uh, I end up kind of uh, separating the seasons by months in a way. People say that the summer starts later than it does, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. So I always associate September and October with the fall. So getting that mindset in to go forward and get what we need done, done. Alright, the 2018 watches are coming along fantastically, man. I've discovered some real gems from that year, two in particular that have really stood out to me where, I've went, where I went, man, I had never even heard of this film before, and it just completely uh, uh, just wowed me, man. Um, it's just really good stuff. Uh, just so far, most of what I've seen I've really enjoyed from that year, and I'm looking forward to going on with it. There's a lot of stuff from 2018, man. I mentioned before that when it comes to the newer years or the more recent years for the list episodes, it's a little more tricky to get through because there's so many more films being released as opposed to a year like 56 or 58 where it's a bit more manageable, albeit with only some misses. You know, I, I like to think that I hit most of the heavy hitters, or at least all of them. But, you know, some are going to slip through your cracks, and, and some you're going to see later on that would have made the list, but these are all just for fun, and it's just a good way to see more films um, that you wouldn't normally come across. And that's why I mentioned before how there are two films that I had seen that I'd watched for 2018 that I probably would not have come across um, that I thought were just really outstanding. And whether or not they make the list remains to be seen, but I already know there are some really, really phenomenal films that I still have to watch. Um, of course, I'll have to watch it. I only just started this uh, beginning of the month, but uh, that I know will make the top 10. So it's going to be a very interesting list, man. There's, there's a lot of films I'm really looking forward to rewatching, and uh, man, this is a lot of cool stuff here. And um, I think I mentioned before, I mean, if you had seen the other, if you had listened to the other lists, then you would have known. But when it, 2018 or any year, uh, I go for films that had to have been seen outside of a festival. Um, in 2018, so I, there's already a, there's a two or three films that are on my list that are listed as 2017, but those are only because they played at festivals in 2017, but weren't released publicly until 2018, so I, I may have mentioned that before, but either way, um, yeah, good stuff coming along there, man, good stuff, alright, so let's see here, sip of the coffee, and then we'll get on board with the recipe for today, man, alright, as delicious as ever, let's get into a filmmaker by the name of Frederick Wiseman, man. Some of you may be familiar with him, most famously uh, for his documentary film, his landmark documentary film, Titicut Follies, from, I believe, 1967, or, yes, yeah, 67, I believe. Um, if Frederick Wiseman's a very um, 
is a very, I would say, well-known documentary filmmaker, but whether or not you've seen a lot of his films um, is totally up to whether or not about the availability, because with Frederick Wiseman, he's made a lot of films. He's still alive. I believe he's 92 now, and he still makes films. His most recent film, I think, was uh, City Hall from 2020, I, I believe. I might be wrong with that. Um, but he's made many of films. He's uh, uh, a lot of documentary filmmakers have drawn inspiration from him in terms of how he directs and how he edits. Um, and the problem now with seeing his films is that it can be a little bit tricky because if you go to his website, you are able to rent or you're able to buy the films either for personal use or for a public um, viewing. But the prices are quite steep. I haven't checked. Um, I, it's been a little while since I've checked, but I remember the prices being quite exorbitant for films. Exorbitant, I'm sorry, for films that frankly are not. Um, it's, it's hard to justify the um, price for that. Um, you know, I, I understand for a theatrical setting, you know, the prices can vary, but for a personal home use viewing, it's a bit much. However, you are in luck if you choose to view his films because um, a service that I have not talked about on the show, but I think is pretty well known, is the service of Canopy. And Canopy is a free service that you only need to sign up with if you have a library card. So if you have a library card, you go on the website, you pick your local library, enter in your information, and then you're all set to go. Now I don't know if it's every single library in um, in America. I don't know if it's even I don't know if it's an international um, service as well. But um, I was able to find my library, signed up for it. And it has a great deal of work by him. There are a lot of his documentaries on there. Um, before I had seen Titicut Follies when it showed on TCM. It may have even been the premiere of it. But he has a lot of his documentaries on there. I'm not sure if it is all of them. Um, because he has made quite a good amount. But there are a lot on there. And I have added a lot to my watch list. And you are given, I believe, yes, you are given... What, what I'm giving is 20 credits a month, so you can watch 20 films a month, um, which is more than enough for me because I end up uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down to, I have 13 credits left, so uh, there's been a lot here. But yes, if you are looking to watch his films, that is the way to do for it, and if you don't have a library card, go to your local library, get yourself a library card, and pick up a book or two while you're at it, man. Don't pass by that, but... Um, I mean, I'm on the front page now, and there's already just a lot of cool stuff here, a lot of films that are already great that you can probably find elsewhere, man, but the fact is that the sheer volume of films they have on here is quite something. Thief, uh, you know, um, Bill and Ted's on there, Blue Velvet, you know, just a lot of great films, Just and this is just the front page, man, so um, there's a lot on there, and um, going back to my point before... Uh, Nine Songs is on there. I didn't. This it's, it's under it's under British cinema. Is that a British film? It's been so long since I've seen that film, man. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I don't think I really have any need to rewatch Nine Songs anytime soon. It's not, I'm not particularly a fan of that film, but I don't remember it being a British film. That is besides the point. Uh, I am going to be talking about for a little bit. Uh, Frederick Wiseman's follow-up to Titty Cut Follies from 1968, his film High School, um, and the way that Frederick Wiseman makes his documentaries is great. He has been associated with both these cinema verite and observational types of cinema, both terms of which he has rejected um, in doing so. I, I actually, um, I ended up reading some interviews with him last night after watching High School because um, it's easy to see a lot of uh, the way that film, a lot of documentary filmmakers uh, do the fly on the wall kind of aspect where they're able to um, just stand in the background or stand in a way where they are, for, for however, they're able to make the um, 
these subjects in question comfortable with being in, in the front of the camera and not holding back. And this is obviously a different time from now. This is 1968 compared to 2022, where I imagine it'd be a little trickier to do a documentary like this. And, um, you know, it was one of the reasons why Titicut Follies got in trouble because it was, uh, it, it, putting a camera in someone's face in 1967 compared to now is a bit tricky. One of a video that I always find very comforting and fun. If you get an opportunity to watch, go on, go on YouTube. It's about 10 minutes or so. Watch, uh, I believe it's called, um, uh, 3am at 7-Eleven near Disney World in like 1980-something. It's a very interesting video, a lot of those different personalities and that. That could even be a short film right there. But uh, with Frederick Wiseman, he, um, there's no narration. He And, and um, he really just kind of lets the subjects do all the talking in a way that's interesting because when I say before that it's a non, um, that's a very observational kind of documentary, I know that he rejects that term, but in terms of uh, description, it's for the time being, it's just, just bear with me. Um, he gets a lot of subjects, and I believe he shoots, what is it, 100 hours of film. Now, get 100 hours of film put down to an hour 20. I mean, you can imagine. Now, he has made longer documentaries. His one um, about, uh, what is it, the, uh, a morgue or a hospital? I forgot what it was. It actually was mentioned in Killing for Culture, which is, and I wrote it down, but it's about five or five and a half hours. And um, he actually made a follow-up to high school in 94, I believe, or early 90s, I apologize. And I believe that is about three and a half hours. This is much shorter, much easier to take in, much like Titicut Follies, which is also about 80 minutes or so. But what Frederick Wiseman does so well is he takes the monotony and sort of the uneventful aspects of a day-to-day -day life in this high school. And through his editing and through what he through what he chooses and doesn't choose to include it ends up making an interesting uh mood piece because the way that he does it is that he talks about being unbiased in a lot of his documentary filmmaking how he says it's not you can't be you can't be unbiased and i think that's an interesting point what he makes there because um when it comes to documentary filmmaking is that i think on some level there is that uh, there is a bias there when you're presenting information he presents the information here and like all of his documentaries in a dramatic structure where the film, which I feel like a lot of what I've seen, in, and I'm you know, not to call it any, any films in particular, I won't, but some uh, documentaries or some films that try to, more specifically documentaries that try to have that dramatic structure, they oftentimes confuse... Um, a lack of a strong narrative to no narrative. There are times where I've seen documentaries where the the ending abruptness doesn't necessarily have any sort of real impact or end to a dramatic uh, narrative, but more so because it is what they feel like other films have done and they should do as well. I can think of probably two films off the top of my head right now. But what Frederick Wiseman does is he's able to frame it in a way where it, it's not necessarily an ABC narrative, but he ends up getting a specific uh, uh, a specific feel to the film where when the film ends uh, especially the last um, kind of I don't even want to say I guess monologue I guess you would say but in terms of wrapping up the whole film together it really um is done in a specific way that I think he's so good at that I think that his editing really makes for um makes it feel like a narrative theatrical film, uh, much in the same way. And I should also say, I've only seen Titicut Follies and High School. I have not seen his other work yet. Um, Brian Sauer, I know, is a big fan of the, of the film The Shop, and um, that's one that I'm really looking forward to watching. I've mentioned Brian Sauer before in one of the episodes. I, I wholeheartedly trust any recommendation he gives. He has very rarely let me down. He's uh, His film taste pretty much aligns up in mine. Um, but he mentioned he's a big fan of that film, so I'm really looking forward to watching that. And I believe he mentioned Model as well, which is another film of his that I want to see. But the way that he does it is that when you get the climax of the film should be the big point and even with Titicut Follies um, and I don't mean to keep bringing that up but in terms of uh, comparison to the narrative structure uh, I, I do want to keep mentioning that let me get a sip of coffee here
But with Titicut Follies, you have a finale of the film that is a big kind of point um, a dramatic scene in the film. That's not necessarily the last scene, but is the end of the film, which would be the climax in a, in a, in a narrative, a traditionally narrative film. And this is what this is here as well. Because there's a lot of points in the film where we have we see how a lot of the teachers and a lot of the staff are very um, they're very monotone and they're very um, not quite understanding of the students in a way where as the film goes along it becomes more apparent where when we get that first uh, scene where we have um, not the first scene in the film but we have one of the staff members I think it was like the, I don't know if it was the principal or something but talking to one of the kids and he's very um, this, he's very dismissive and he's very, uh, not in, in an overt way where it's flat out, uh, um, but it's more in a way of, of what feels like manipulation where he's kind of acting like he's on this person's side, but he's really not. It's a little difficult to explain, but, um, the way that Wiseman, like I said before, structures these otherwise, um, uh, 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 moments that you wouldn't that you would take for granted that that wouldn't be of any real um, any real uh, significance, but the way he strings them together because that and what I'm saying before, as it goes along, these other sequences where the teachers are talking to the students and they're not really they don't they're not really hearing them out. They're kind of they're interrupting them a lot. Um, there's like a great sequence uh, in the middle of the film where they talk about uh, this this girl who's wearing a dress that's. Um, a little too short, which is explaining to see the way that, uh, you know, the uh, standards have changed, you know, teenagers then to now, um, in terms of, or in terms of not even just teenagers, I would say society then to now, um, where it's like it's above the knee so that they can't, they can't have it. And they're very dismissive of her. And there's a great, um, moment as well. That kind of is the, uh, in terms of the student versus the staff moment in the film, we have one of the teachers asking what, what, they do or don't like about the school and you have uh one of the students who's talking about how it's just going off about how the school is uh uh morally corrupt and it's just these moments as well that Wiseman is such a strong filmmaker uh filmmaker and editor I kind of put the two together um where he's able to if that sequence had been in the middle of the film or had been in the beginning I don't know how well it would have worked effectively I think he's really good at knowing when to play scenes what to leave in and what to leave out without overdoing himself because the film goes by at a pretty brisk pace it's only about 75 minutes but the way that he manages it all together it works so well and it works so effectively that you get a real sense of what this high school is like and I think that's a mat I think that's a real testament to his editing like I said before and just the what how strong he's able to convey a certain certain point and when it comes to the bias and unbiases before I I, I think when he says on when he says bias I don't think that it, it means in terms of I mean I'm not going to speak for the man but the way that I interpret what he says compared to what he shows I I don't believe what I gather is bias not necessarily conveying a a specific message but in terms of having a specific outline for what you want to and don't want to include. Now, I think when you think of documentary bias, you can probably think of specific documentary filmmakers who intentionally or unintentionally leave out certain points to further their own personal point, um, uh, which I don't know if I can get to the book today, but uh, maybe I'll get to it next time. But a book, but uh, uh, one of the books I read recently, um, it was uh, the author tried his best to be unbiased, but then in the third act of the book, he started to inject his own opinions in a way that wasn't, that was, in my opinion, was detrimental to the reading because it came off as distracting and awkward um, instead of just structuring it in a way that they see fit. Um, if I'm getting across my point well, I may not be explaining myself in the best way, but when I see Wiseman's uh, editing and when I see his filmmaking, I see him in a very specific way 
with a bias that's not steering his point. It's more it's more a bias in a way of how he wants to structure these scenes and these to get these scenes together. What I was mentioned before is you know some documentary filmmakers that don't necessarily have quite the um, narrative prowess that uh, that other filmmakers have and just will put in scenes where they feel or, or put in scenes uh, um, really uh, without much consideration and then they they believe that less is more and that you know doesn't need a true narrative structure but Wiseman Wiseman is above that and shows that he is a great storyteller um, in his own way it's a lot to take in I know I may be a little sporadic with my thoughts but um, this film I, I just thought was really engaging and the way that Wiseman is able to take these moments of uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think of later on these 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 interactions here and there, as well as as interesting subjects as well. I think a lot of the people in this, a lot of the kids and the teachers, make for interesting characters in their own right. And I'm sure that he has my, many me has much footage that uh, that uh, of people who maybe didn't lend themselves as well to the camera. And it's interesting to see a lot of these people who necessarily aren't afraid to. Um, kind of be more true to themselves, true of who they are on camera, you know, how many times have you heard um, interviews with adult film stars and they thought that, okay, I'll do this because no one's ever going to see this outside New York. I mean, there's no way that these people could ever have imagined, you know, at least that in 2022, all these years later, you could be sitting in the comfort of your own home with a cup of coffee watching these, these films, you know, there's just absolutely no way. It's just science fiction, but it is interesting how now, I don't know if a documentary like this maybe necessarily couldn't be made but i think it'd be trickier to be as um and this is the last time i use this word because i don't want to keep it i don't want to keep accrediting it to this film but in a way observational it's very interesting and i really want to come back to frederick wiseman when i've seen more of his films because it's hard to um uh especially as i say hard to judge his entire uh uh, uh structure of film because I've only seen these two films, and they are they are his first two films. And also, I should say before, the film that I mentioned before about the morgue is actually called Near Death, um, which is the, I believe, five, five-and-a-half-hour film. But he's done a lot of films, man. So what I was saying before is that if you can, I mean, not just for his work, <clears throat> but for the sheer amount of films, do yourself a favor, man, and just, just get Canopy. It's free. Go to the library, get yourself a library card, and just check out his work, man. Check out a lot of the other films that are on there because with all these streaming, <coughs> sorry, with all these streaming services, man, it can be hard to to really kind of sift through and 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 um and see what really is worth your time and not. I have found myself a lot with, with a lot of films that I look up. I see that it's either only on Canopy or it's on Canopy along with like I don't know because primarily I like I don't I haven't used Netflix in quite some time. There's almost nothing on there that interests me that I've come across. There are especially their originals and stuff. I have absolutely zero interest in any of their originals. Um, and, and more so in the films they end up picking up, like the film that I, a film that I had seen recently for 2018 was, I, to my knowledge, is a Netflix original, but it's a film that was is not a film they had produced. It's one they just distributed, and especially the talk of them not wanting to put in money for um, uh, uh, filmmaker-driven films anymore is completely absurd and I think completely idiotic. I mean, but that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation right there. But either way, check check out his work if you're interested, especially if you're interested in documentary films, which I don't talk about nearly enough on here. Um, but as well as as well as the other stuff on there, man. Canopy is a service that I think a lot of people are aware of. But if you're not, um, there's just a lot on there. Especially it's free, man. I mean, come on, it's, you can't you can't beat it. No ads either, which is great. Um, 
So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's Canopy, that's Frederick Wiseman, uh, that's High School. Um, I don't know if High School 2 is on there or not, I'd be interested to see that kind of later on. And um, what I was saying before with all the last things, that's pretty interesting with a lot of the behaviors of uh, the teachers and staff. There's a darkly humorous part in the film that is, is it's funny and, and discerning to laugh at when they're talking about, one of the teachers talking about some of the female students, and it's very blatant with uh, saying they're unattractive or saying they're overweight. It's, it's, it's a moment that you laugh and you go, man, this is stuff they're able to get away with is really crazy, man. But yeah, anyways, check that out, man. It's really cool. Um, there's been a lot of walks this week. It's been, I've been playing a lot of catch up with a lot of stuff. Um, and so there's, there are a couple other films I could talk about. Uh, but you know, I'll go into one. I'll go into, um, <clears throat> you know, actually I'm going to hold off on that. Cause I read a book recently, but I want to wait till I rewatch the film to fully talk about it. Um, so we'll get, I'll talk about that when I am able to get around to the film, however soon that is. But um, some of the other stuff that I watched this week, I guess another film that I'll mention, which is a film uh, written and directed by Gary Oldman from 1997, Nil by Mouth, which I think some people know of, but I don't really hear talked about a whole lot. This stars uh, Ray Winstone primarily. I'm not too familiar with some of the other actors in this, but Ray Winstone, who is just a terrific actor, man, and he is terrific in this film. Uh, one of the big things that I got out of this film is primarily his performance and his exhaustive performance. It's, a, it's an interesting film, the way it's structured, because it's basically the, the uh, destruction of this family unit. We have uh, Ray Winstone as the father in the family. He is very, uh, right from the opening scene, it's interesting the way that Gary Oldman uh, does it, is that the opening scene uh, where he's in, a, he's in a pub or he's in some um, nightclub or something like that, like some dance hall or whatever, and um, he's ordering, he's trying to order a couple of drinks, and, and right off the bat we see that he, it's a little, there's something a little off in terms of you're just kind of waiting for this guy to blow up, but it doesn't. And then later on in the film we have um, the, the basically the downfall of his relationship between his wife and his son, played by Kathy Burke and Charlie Creed Miles. And what's interesting is that the way the film is structured is that we spend a lot of the film with Billy, played by uh, Charlie Creed Miles, and um, how at one point he's out of the house. And, um, well, he's out of the house or at a certain point in the film, and then we see a lot of the film of him on the street. He's addicted to drugs. I don't know if it was, like, heroin or crack, whatever, but um, he's very uh, uncomfortable. Not even uncomfortable, that's not the right word to say, but very. there's a lot of moments where he's just on the street and he's asking people for change in a way that comes off as very uh, very sad to see that, that character in that despair. And, and uh, some of the other characters that he involves himself with, there's a really interesting side characters that uh, they don't really spend a whole lot of time with, but in a good in a way that's interesting. There's one of the side characters who's... Uh, uh, this guy who walks around like this little dog, and it, it, that's all interesting. And that part of the film was great. And I'm watching it, thinking that this is going to be the focus of the film. This is this character who is uh, who is kicked out um, for a very, for a reason that that is 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 just totally. Um, it says a lot about uh, Ray Winstone's character, but Kathy Burke as well. We follow her a lot of the film, primarily in the second half. Uh, well, okay, not even the second half. I apologize. We spent a big portion with Billy. We spent a big portion with Valerie, and. Um, the the downfall of their relationship with Raymond, played by Ray Winstone, just moments where his paranoia sets in and his just aggressive nature. He's she's playing pool with a guy at a pub and he's getting and he suspects that she is cheating on him. And Ray Winstone's performance in this uh, is really fantastic, man. Because a lot of times I see in films that when I hear people say, "Oh, this is a great dramatic performance," and then the character just yelling, that's all it is. It's just characters screaming at each other, crying, and I'm just like, man, that's. I mean, I know it takes a lot of work, man, but the perform, but you can't. I, I, I so many times where I hear that's a great performance, that's a great performance. And it's like, well, they're just screaming and crying the whole time. 
I, there's a there's another performance to that. I, I need more than that. But that's Ray Winstone in the film as well because he has these, these exhaustive moments where you just see he's just screaming. He's just we just hear the strain on his voice. He has just this this. He's like a bull in a china shop, man. He's a frightening character to be around. He's like um. Uh, uh, what's his name from Train Spotting? The uh, I probably should, I've got the actor's name, but the main antagonist in that film. Well, I guess of the four, who's just always um uh, going off and and not nearly as but he, not nearly as as in your face, uh, in a way in, in terms of like screaming and yelling, but in terms of like this is a character you like no one could ever be friends with, even his friend in the film, uh, whose name I am flanking on. Um, so I just clicked out of the page there, but he, uh, you just wonder how they even are able to get by with each other because uh, it's, he's just such a destructive character. Um, his performance is fantastic in the film, and and in the third act when it really goes um, to a to a, a place where it all kind of convenes together, it is great. Um, there's a great sequence in particular with Ray Rinstone's character after a destructive kind of drunken night, which feels very um, honest and realistic in the way that he plays that performance. But we uh, start to see closer to this kind of character behind all this rage and stuff, not in a way that makes him sympathetic at all, but in a way that kind of, uh, that Gary Oldman sort of, um, uh, he, I, I say humanized, but I don't want to say uh, sympathizes, um, which, is so e which is so easy to do, which is to demonize these kind of characters. But... Um, or at least Ray Winstone's character, but we see much a much more complicated person behind that. And especially where the film ends, I think some people may or may not be on board with it uh, in terms of... It, in a way that feels realistic, in a way that feels like it's, it's not quite... Um, it's not quite whole and there's definitely gonna be there, you get the feeling there's gonna be more to the story but at that t point in time there, there's a lot to there's a lot to get into with the final sequence of the film which i uh, i really thought was terrific um and and uh i don't want to get to the spoilers or anything like that but um this is a film that's not on blu-ray to my knowledge I, I had to i had to watch this online and um you know and, and it's not uh like I said before, when it comes to films that, that I find online and stuff, it's like if I don't have any way to see a film, I don't really feel too bad about seeing a, uh, seeing a film without, you know, seeing a film with maybe methods that you wouldn't normally do because um, the DVD is out of print. There's a, there's a reason to DVD, and it's just like, man, I, I don't get why. I don't get how this isn't more readily available. It kind of reminds me in a way in terms of um, – you have these stars who you have uh, a, uh, an English star like this who makes a who makes a great film and then doesn't really do much uh, directing after this. I think of Tim Roth's um, The War Zone or the the hell's the name of that movie? I think it was The War Zone. I I, I think that's what it was. Yeah, The War Zone, directed by Tim Roth. It was the only film that he's directed, to my knowledge, and it's such a really terrific film. That's a very dark film as well. Actually, weirdly enough, also with Ray Winstone. I completely for didn't completely forgot about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I just it's just weird. I just these big stars. I don't understand how they how they don't. I mean, these are terrific films. These aren't just like good films, and it's just crazy. I don't understand why they don't uh, why they haven't done more with them unless they don't want to or not. But either way, uh, yeah, nil by mouth. Um, watch however you can. Maybe you can get a Blu-ray of this someday. Maybe somebody will put it out. But uh, yeah, this is a terrific film that I'd heard about that I wanted to give some attention to because I don't really hear, hear a whole lot. Be, uh, whole lot talked about this but either way those are the recommendations for today gonna go with the frederick wiseman stuff sign up for canopy and also check out nil by mouth if available um so that's gonna wrap it up for this episode um i will be back next week of course with more talk and i hope you're all taking the time with the summer with that summer mindset getting in whatever it is you need to get in watching reading writing i know i am um or whatever it is you 
need to get done because before you know it, you're gonna wake up one day and go, man, I should have done this, should have done that. Well, no time like the present, and the present is where we are at. Unless you're listening to this in the future, which you are, then it's the past. But focus on the present, man. That's all it is. So that's all I got. Let me check if I got anything else I got to say here. Let me check this one here. I am all set. All radio. All right, man. See you next week. All the best. Cheers.